Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk about the Fantasy Black Book. It is a great way to get ready for your fantasy drafts. We have tons and tons of great content. All the players analyzed. I did over 50 catchers and over 45 relief pitchers. Um, we have all the positions. We have dynasty, prospects, NFBC formats, DFS, all kinds of great stuff. Relative position value, all by the one and only Joe P. Sapia. You got myself, Chris Welsh, Eric Cross, Nate Dawkins, Chris Meany, Matt Modica, Ariel Cohen, Alex Chamberlain, and more. Come check it out over there. Fantasy Black Book on Amazon and in iTunes. You won't regret it one bit. Also, we're going to start up the Bench with Bubba Listener Leagues. If you're interested, rating and review on iTunes. Show me proof of this rating and review, and you'll be uh, the first ones entered in. If you've already submitted a rating and review before and you want in the league, please contact me on Twitter at BDNTrick, and I'll get you in on the list. Uh, we're going to be doing more on fan tracks, roto leagues. If we fill up the first one of 15 teams, we'll start a second one. So ratings review over on iTunes. Show me some proof. Benched with Bubba Listener Leagues. All right, everybody. This is Benched with Bubba episode 236 with Mike Ajetto of Pitcher List. Awesome stuff here. Give it a good listen and hope you guys have a good one. back everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 236 gonna talk some more fantasy baseball as we're getting closer to draft season pitchers and catchers like a month away less than a month away it's crazy land crazy land out there we're gonna get a uh, another first time guest which is always awesome on the show and another member of pitcherlist.com great friends of ours over there they just keep adding so many smart and talented people over there i just can't keep up getting them on the show so we're going to get another newbie on here. You can find him on Twitter at Mikey Ajetto PL. Michael, how are we doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, we, picked a, we picked a crazy day to do this. Yes, yes. And that's the crazy part is we could spend a whole podcast talking about the Astros and everything. And uh, that wasn't even on the agenda, but uh, I'm 100% <laughs> on board with it. I told you before we started, we, we're going to go on a tangent somewhere. Let's just go out the gate. It's hard to tell now, obviously, because there's still so much. Like if you log into Twitter, it's just a whirlwind of what is going on every time i I update the screen it's like okay well now this guy now this guy now this guy so there's stuff everywhere and the way i've always thought about it okay everyone's cheating one way or another some are taking it way too far like the astros probably are and some are are doing just kind of you know stealing signs like the easy way watching them you know keeping track of how they do signs um which i'm not as bad about but the, the the astros part's really bad how how do you feel on this because we haven't seen any players get in trouble because the players' union is so strong, but if they start really noticing these guys have electronics on them, it's going to be hard to mm-hmm. not take a stand. So, how do you approach this? Obviously, with pure speculation, because no suspensions have taken place yet. Right. Um, well, one thing's Manfred's talked about how you know he's going to hold a hard line, and and um, the field manager and the GM and owner, wh- whoever, 
um, well, actually probably not even the owner, but they're going to be the ones taking the brunt of the damage. So I don't expect, I mean, I guess you could consider in a way um, Beltron has, um, you know, he was a player at the time and, and he had to step down, but it's it's been kind of difficult because I'm trying my hardest to uh, view this through a clear lens but i'm also a mariners fan uh (laughs) so yeah it's i don't know it's been super fascinating to watch i've also been doing a really poor job but i've been trying to stay off of twitter because it's so i you know this is just the game that we love and like to see Mm -hmm. it you know kind of uh uh i think bellinger just tweeted it like it you know you lose integrity and it's it's just not it's not it's not any fun and yeah like you said we know that that players cheat but and team sheet, but it's just not fun to know about it, I guess. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, it, as bad as it sounds, like, if I can keep a blind eye to the situation and just enjoy the game of baseball, which we love, I'm good with right. that. Like, if you guys want to have a guy on second base, you know, hitting his thigh because of this, <laughs> okay, knock yourself out. Like, I don't yeah. need to worry about that. But when you're taking it to electronics and all these things, they've definitely taken it too far. And, right. Um, we're going to have to see how it keeps playing out. Like, yeah, I saw the Bellinger, Alex Wood, Clevenger, Bowers having a field day the last few days. Um, <laughs> it, like, he, he's he's reveling in this moment. Yeah, and, oh, uh, he loves if, it. If anybody on, if any player on Twitter could, could enjoy this, it's Trevor Bauer. So right. um, it, it's it's crazy. Like you said, it it, it is true. Uh, I think when I logged in last time, I saw uh, Alex Chamberlain, friend of the show, mm-hmm. he um, said – today is just a bad day to like baseball it's yeah it, everything's like, so bad and uh, i don't know uh i think the biggest thing here is like i don't think that manfred did a good job of one like the team the astros need to be punished for what they did mm-hmm. i don't feel like i don't feel like enough was necessarily done like mm-hmm. in the end um you know uh how do you say his name one and um and Hinch were were fired, but I, I think that's one thing, and I don't think they necessarily did a great job there. But also, we need to see uh, teams uh, punished for, or disciplined, f- uh, so other teams don't do it more. And I, mm-hmm. I really don't think like a lot of people have been saying like I would take a World Series, you know, just to mm-hmm. you know, like I guess in a indirect way, you get your a couple guys fired, but uh, it just sucks because it's like. Um, you know, oh, like let's uh give it to the other team, but then it's like they lost; they don't even want yeah. it. So there's just there's no win here, and, and it and it sucks for baseball and fans and everyone involved. Yeah, that that's the thing is like the, the loss of the draft picks. I think is the heaviest burden that's going to come down on them yeah. so far. Like that's huge in the grand scheme of things. But you can't take the title away as as much as people want to do that because what happened happened and. You know, you can do the whole scenarios. The road numbers were still good and all these different things. Um, and we've never seen a precedence for this. It's like you, yeah. can't, like, like you said, you can't give it to the other team. They, they lost. Like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, but you still yeah. lost. Like, you still had the see ball, hit ball. These things still took place uh, as much as you want to fight it. So it's going to be really interesting to see because the sad part, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. So yeah. It's like every day it just gets worse and worse, and I hope they at least take the weekend off or something, and then they can come back next week. But yeah. um, that's going to be wild. And I'm not even going to discuss the Reddit allegation. I don't know if you saw it. Oh, um, is it about Trout? I don't even yeah. want to go there. Uh, like, yeah. if, that's, if that's true, just burn baseball in the ground. Yeah, like, right? It's just oh, like man. I don't even want to do that. <laughs> like, I, saw, like, I literally got done recording the show earlier today, and yeah. I had two messages 
from buddies text messages that with pictures of the reddit thread and i'm like no you're like are, are you okay no. bubba <laughs> yeah i'm like no don't do this to me like yeah. if you like baseball you like back trout i don't care who what you're what team you're affiliated with yeah do not do this to us <laughs> i and like like i was just saying like i'm super biased when it comes to the astros but mm-hmm. i love mike trout like yep. i think he's uh whatever he's using or not the greatest baseball player of all time Mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's kind of hard my brother was just showing me a, a i think a rookie picture of him mm-hmm. and he i mean obviously it's been i don't know a man like 10 years i don't it's know almost it's got to be close to a decade yeah. give or take yeah it's, uh, it's getting close he looks like a baby he like yeah that dude doesn't have a neck now he's so built and he mm-hmm. just like he just kind of looks like a kid which he was but it's just kind of shocking to see um because yeah i haven't seen a picture of him for um ever yeah, the the guy we all think of right away is the big dude that's been hitting bombs and yeah, know, right. climbing walls in center field. That's the guy we think of these days. So yeah, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll be talking about that plenty on this show. You guys will be writing about it and talking about it. Picture list. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going away anytime soon, sadly. And, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's, that's the weird part about it. And I can't wait to see the fantasy ramifications throughout the year because the road visits for the Astros now it's going to be rough. Oh. They're gonna. They're, it's gonna be real rough. Well, so. and, and players are weighing in too. Um, yeah. I don't remember who I saw. I saw someone. Uh, oh, Tommy Pham. Uh, he quote tweeted someone and posted the picture of like the weird wrinkle in Altuve's jersey that mm-hmm. it's supposedly um, uh, a cord or, or whatever you call it. Uh, so it's it's kind of interesting to see um, players not being quiet about it. Yeah, it's it's pretty loud. So the one thing I will say to these players, make sure your closet's clean too. Oh yeah, right. So because uh, I don't know, I, I'd imagine you'd know if your team was using wires or not. But uh, <laughs> that's like, what Hinch said to Bauer. Exactly. You're on front porch. <laughs> exactly. So let's just uh, let's tone it back a little before everything's said and done. Right. We'll move on from that and see where that keeps going. We'll go to some more recent news. Uh, a couple days ago, actually, yes, Tuesday, Josh Donaldson, four-year, $92 million to the Twins. I swore he was going to the Braves after the Twins kind of pulled out. It wasn't working. He wanted over 100 mil. He goes to Minnesota, and just that lineup is just disgustingly uh, good it's now. Insane. So, it's a softball lineup. Um, it, they're going to put up 20 <laughs> runs a game possibly yeah. some nights. It's going to be crazy. Uh, what's your thoughts on Donaldson? Because, you know, long-term, this might be weird for an older man. But for this year alone, what are you thinking about Donaldson in Minnesota? Yeah, so I I, I traded him in Dynasty, um, I think, before this year. And I was kind of trying to get ahead of it because I was like, yeah, I think he'll probably have a good year, but I, he'll probably only play, like, 90 games. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's not what happened. But um, I I went with uh, – I thought it was pretty safe. I might have uh, sent another piece back. But it was essentially Donaldson for Corbin Burns, who has not turned oh, out. Right. And then um, Travis Shaw, who mm-hmm. has been super steady, you know, putting up like 30 home runs and maybe a couple steals. And um, it's just a really underrated player. And then, of course, he has a stinker, too, but uh, in 2019. But, I, oh, man, I love this signing for them. Um, I am not going to bet on him being good in the pat or in the latter two years of the contract but um right now like oh my gosh like this according to roster resource this is gonna push sano down to eight see i i I find that hard to i saw that too immediately when it happened i'm like i I don't know like sixth maybe but eighth i just don't that's just a waste of his talents now right 
Um, and that'll be interesting to see. Um, he's he's not a disaster at third. Like he's not good. Uh, so now at third base, but uh, I'm they're gonna they're gonna see, probably they're probably yeah, gonna move, they're probably moving to first base. Yeah, which I'm interested to see because you know people are just they're often like, "Oh, this guy sucks." I throw him at first mm-hmm. base, and um, you see it in like Moneyball where um, <laughs> Billy <laughs> Bean not, is like. Yeah. Yeah, uh, tell him Wash like first base is super easy to play, right? And he's like, it's incredibly hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I I am super like I love this uh, this signing. Um, they were already bananas, and now mm-hmm. they're uh, even better. I you know if they're not going to get um, you know a more top of the line starter, I think just add to your strengths, and that's that's what they've done here. Yeah, it's weird. It's like they the four for ninety two. You could have almost got Wheeler. You could have got Bumgarner. Yeah, you could have got pieces to the pie that you probably needed more so than another power bat. But right. This is this is the way they went. So I guess they're gonna they're gonna try to do what the Milwaukee Brewers did is just get as many bats as humanly possible and try yep. to piece together pitching. That's where they're going with this. Um, say Miguel Sano bats sixth. Are he's going about pick one thirty three right now? Donaldson's about one oh six. Who would you prefer out of those two if you're going Minnesota twin shopping? Oh man, I think that's pretty close. I th- honestly, that's weird because I was gonna say like you know Sano's a durability risk, but so is Donaldson. Mm-hmm. I think I so I picked Sano um, way later. Uh, I don't even know exactly what pick it was. I picked him in the 14th round. Um, mm. I can't do the math in my head. <laughs> uh, His price is climbing. That's what's happening I, right now. I think, like, gun to my head, I would probably go Donaldson there just because it assures um, a little more... Uh, I think it's a little safer. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're honestly pretty similar profiles overall, Definitely. like, in terms of their exophila, like, you know, their uh, peripherals, and then... Um, I think I was looking at their projections too, and they're like pretty similar. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd probably just uh, go Donaldson, but man, to so know like I have, I have him in, uh, I got him in PL Mach three. I have him in my dynasty. I he's underrated. I love him. Yes, I, I'm a huge Miguel Sano fan. I think every off season I've written about like the value that is Miguel Sano because he's always drafted so late. But then he right. only plays like he doesn't play like maybe two thirds of the season. Yeah, it's one of those. If he ever played even three quarters of the season, yeah, he could hit like thirty five for the forty home runs. Yeah, the dude's uh, stat cast and everything is just stupid. I just <laughs> saw something that came. Oh, it was the uh, baseball savant just dropped the like no doubter uh, oh, list. Yeah, one of and the he best didn't ones. Even play. Yeah, he didn't even play. I don't know, uh, maybe one hundred fifteen games, and he was like top five or something. So. um yeah, there's just so much untapped potential. He just needs to stay on the field. Um, but yeah, this lineup, like Byron Buxton at this point mm-hmm. might be a league average hitter with plus plus speed, and he's batting ninth. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, and he's one of those, it's like because their offense is so good. Sure. Jeff Zimmerman's done some some great work. I always need to I always need to go back and reference the article of like spots in the order. If you bat there all year, how many do you lose through the whole season? Yep. Well, obviously batting ninth, you're not gonna get as many potential at bats. But in a lineup like this, where guys might bat five times a game way more than a lot of other teams, that'll shift the volume there. And now he's like a second leadoff hitter to like loop around there. Yeah. And that can be sneaky dangerous when yeah. you got Rosario, Kepler, Sano, all these guys just like coming right behind you. Um, yeah, run wild, kid. 
But yeah. um, like looking at Sano, I pulled up his page real quick. 105 games last year, 34 homers. He missed a lot of 18, so 71 games. But 17, 114 games, 28 homers. 2016, 116 games, 25 homers. The dude just hits bombs all over the hits place. Fingers, baby. And just That's can't crazy. play. Just play baseball. Um, one other question on this, and this is just kind of a, a feel question because I honestly haven't looked much into him because I kept thinking Donaldson was going to Atlanta. But you'd have to imagine this opens things up for Austin Riley to maybe get the start. I've heard Yoan Camargo's name mentioned a little bit, but if I'm the Braves, I think I want Riley there. That's just yeah. me. Um, we know how fast he came out of the gate last year and then kind of slowed down in the second half. He had almost 37% K rate in the bigs, only hit 226. He's going at a pretty nice value. I just looked him up on NFBC on draft champions since the 22nd. He's on a pick 293. So you're getting them at a good value right before Kyle Seeger, a guy you know in Seattle pretty well. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on Riley? Because that could be a sneaky power source, or are you concerned with that second half? Yeah, I I don't know. It's It kind of feels like I'm a little lower on him than most people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, because he... He didn't have the smallest sample, but he he had a lot of barrels. Um, he had a lot of whiffs and a lot of strikeouts, but he hit the ball really hard. And I think as a rookie, as a young player, that's what we want to see. Obviously, mm-hmm. we want to see some plate discipline um, and contact skills. But, um, you know, he flashed enough to where I think Seager, it's really interesting because they're kind of opposites, whereas... Seager, you're looking at like he's always just been someone who's super steady, not very sexy, underrated. Um, and then Austin Riley is someone that you're taking more of a chance on. So it depends on how I played third base in uh, my draft, but I would rather have Riley at that spot. Um, mm-hmm. I guess there's uh, more a more of a chance that he can lose his spot. Um, but at that point in the draft, I think you're, you know, you're taking more chances. Like the, the ceiling for Kyle Seager, I think I've written about him twice at pitcher list in the past year. Um, I like him. I, as a, uh, real player, fantasy player, but, um, he, he is as unsexy <laughs> as ever. So, yeah. um, and you know, even with his, the good year that he had, I don't know how much of that was his pure skills. I think, um, a lot of it was the ball. So yeah, uh, I, I think you got to go Riley there. I'm with you too. Like, yeah, Seager's, especially the second half of the season was very, very nice. But I think overall, like floor, you got Seager, but ceiling, you got Riley type idea. So are you, yeah. if you're taking the risk, go Austin Riley. And, and I think that that price is going to start going up a little higher. So just keep an eye on that one. Right. Uh, let's go to the Dodgers. They do it again. They just keep adding <laughs> starting pitching to make life tough. <laughs> Uh, we know Kershaw is going to be starting. We know Bueller is going to be starting, at least as long as they're healthy. But you got Kenton Maeda, who will pitch like two-thirds of the year, and then they'll want to put him in the bullpen so he can't get his yeah. bonus. Uh, you got Julio Urias, who's sneaky, young, and good, but is he going to play a whole year? You have right. They just signed Jimmy Nelson, and now they signed Alex Wood, who and they have Ross Stripling. They have so many stinking options yeah. to start. Right now, roster resource has Alex Wood as the <clears> number four pitcher. And he's going like a pick 440 right now. What's your, what are you doing with the back end pitchers of the Dodgers? I, I was just, my brother has, um, in our dynasty, he has stripling and who else does he have? He has two other, oh, and I think he has maybe wood. He has two other pitchers and oh, Nelson. And I was telling him, like, I don't want anything to do with them. Um, like, 
it's kind of the like the same thing with the Rays. Like even the Rays um, hitters, it's just hard to feel good about having um, a lot of them. And yeah, like with Kershaw and Bueller, I would love to have them, but I'm not paying for them at their prices. Um, and then the the uh, all the other guys, it's like every single person has uh, some kind of. I guess you could call it like playing time risk or, or like job security risk because I don't trust any of them, especially actually, I don't like, I don't even know who I feel the best about, but I am, I do think this is a really good signing and I really like Alex Wood. The issue is um, what we call Dodgeritis at pitcherless is mm-hmm. I don't, I don't trust them. Um, so yeah. I'm staying away uh, unless I can get it's them tough. at like a good price, but yeah, I'm probably staying away. Like I said, like I said, Wood's like 440. He's pretty much free. Nelson's going to be free. It's just you don't know how that's going to mix and match all year. Yeah. It's going to be very, yeah. very frustrating. So maybe like streaming, if you can pick him up, drop him, that kind of stuff. But draft-wise, it is pretty tough for now unless something clears up, which Dave Roberts doesn't clear much up for me. So Right, yeah. Um, let's We're going we're gonna to kind of hit on some of your recent articles by talking about some players here in a little bit and kind of get a better idea on some names that are – kind of popular in the uh, fantasy world right now for drafts and whatnot. But PitcherList is doing an awesome set of stuff. I haven't caught up on all the articles yet, but Fantasy 101, they're evaluating all different ways to evaluate players and all kinds of good stuff to get ready for your drafts. And it's a really cool way because there's stats everywhere. PitcherList develops stats. Um, other sites are developing stats. You have StatCast for crying out loud. There's stuff everywhere. And you guys help kind of bring it all together. Like how do you evaluate a player uh, you wrote about hitting stats. Like, how do you evaluate using hitting stats? I want them to go read your article, so we don't have to go over, like, step-by-step step here. Right. But what's kind of the cliff note version that you can give? Because, you know, when you when, when someone goes to look at a hitter, we could sit there and talk hitter stats for one guy for 45 minutes, and you might not know what's going on by the end. So how right. are you – how do you go into it looking at what stats do you prefer, or how do you use these stats? Yeah, so I think there are just uh, so many ways to evaluate hitters, and I think there are good ways, and there are less good ways. Um, I think a bad way is to, and we're all guilty of this, but it's just going to Baseball Savant, uh, looking at the top right, and just looking Mm -hmm. at a player's sliders, because you can miss so much. Um, And I think... Um, I think it's pretty heavily debated in, um, I think, like between researchers. Uh, but one thing that is um, uh, unique about Alex Chamberlain's tableau, his beta tableau, um, which you should all have um, as, as a resource, his pitch leaderboards, um, but is it takes directionality, um, so spray angle into account, which I think is important because. Um, I think that's how you can kind of tease out the guys who are just pulling the ball a ton or going oppo a ton or whatever, and aren't as um, don't have as sustainable of an approach. So I think we kind of talk about stat cast as gospel sometimes and we shouldn't. Um, And so I think there are just some ways I think more specific is always better. So uh, Chamberlain always talks about kind of, how his research is moving more towards a pitch level. And I think that's kind of what should be going on um, in general, more so for pitchers, but specifics and and getting deeper um, is always better. So 
Um, yeah, just kind of the cliff notes, like barrels are really, really sticky um, and they're really good at predicting power year to year. So if I'm looking at someone who has a good sample size, I'm going to be looking at things like um, barrels over um, batted ball events uh, percentage and barrels over uh, plate appearance percentage um, because those don't fluctuate as much as other stats year to year. Uh, I think looking at averages is not dumb, but is misguided <laughs> because uh, I think Andrew Perpetua talked about, you know, and it's not, it's definitely not a perfect um, apples to apples comparison, but he was like, what if we, um, wh- what if we looked at average pitch velocity for pitchers and we evaluated them that way? We wouldn't. Um, and so, yeah, I think, um Average exit velo and average uh, launch angle, they're fine if you're pairing them with other statistics, but um, they lose a lot. And and taking the average, um, for hitters that hit a lot of, like for uh, launch angle, if they hit uh, a lot of, you know, just right into home plate or a lot of pop-ups, their their launch angle is going to look pretty normal even though it's not. Um, and then with um, average exit velo, I would rather have someone that hits the ball 110 miles per hour and 70 uh, miles per hour rather than someone who hits it 90 both times. Um, and so <clears throat> rather than looking at those, I like to look at, you know, we've been doing it forever, but just looking at um, ground ball, fly ball mix, I think does the same thing, but kind of better. Um, and then also, if you're going to look at exit velo, look at the the batted balls that matter. So look at fly balls and line drives, um, because those correlate better with power, and they're taking out pop-ups and grounders, which don't matter as much. Um, so, th- yeah, that's a couple things. Um, I think uh, you sh- people should look at kind of... Um, changes that are being made against them. So looking at the opposing approach and and where uh, pitchers are pitching players and how this is affecting them. There's things as simple as um, using pop-up percentage. That's something that I've uh, kind of learned from Eno uh, Saris. Um, Infield fly ball rate is not as sticky. And so um, pitchers that have the tendency to um, year-to-year induce a lot of pop-ups or players that pop up a lot of balls. Um, It's going to, it's going to throw a wrench into numbers like average um, launch angle. So things like that. Um, So overall, what I put as my cliff notes are uh, stay away from averages for the most part. Barrels are good at predicting power. Don't just look at X Woba and call it a day. Look at hitter and opposing approaches Take advantage of, of fan graphs and baseball savant, especially baseball savant search tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then think about all the factors involved because there's no single metric that's gospel. Um, and then I know that Toby does it a lot, um, but also I think looking at the graphs, they can be yeah. a little they can be a little misleading uh, just because it's kind of um, recency bias. So I love that he does that. I think it's super cool, but also taking into account that players fluctuate mm-hmm. um so yeah i think that's kind of the crux of it that wasn't really a cliff notes version but, no it's uh, fine because you, you hit the big parts there the barrels that's a th- that's a take home 
I use barrels a lot. I try to incorporate it with, you know, exit velo, launch angle, like hard hit rates and stuff like yeah. that. But I, I get where those are averages, and that makes sense what you're saying. But I think barrels is a big one. I, if, if guys are improving their barrel rates, that stands out to me quite a bit. And you see right. a, a lot of power increases just by minute barrel rating, like a couple percentage points. You'll yeah. see a lot of big changes there <laughs> from year to year. Um, when you mentioned Baseball Savant, the search tool, I use it once in a while, not nearly to the level that it's capable of. Um, I'm jealous of, you know, for me to be able to record a podcast is impressive because I'm pretty much technologically <laughs> like illiterate. So I, I'm like proud of myself that we can do this. Um, yeah. As I learn, I, I keep learning through others. What searches on the search tool do you prefer? Because like I'm really proud of myself when I can do the spray chart and show you how many home runs I can hit somewhere else. But I know there's much, much more like you can do all kinds of cool stuff on there. I think it depends. I, I do so much different stuff and it's really hard because when you're changing all of, like the denominator, um, the numbers come out weird and you're like, why is this so weird? So um, I, I do a lot of like comparing X stats to uh, like actual stats. Okay. Um, CSW where we're biased. Which is, uh, well, that's, that's, I, I had Alex <laughs> on when he first created that. I yeah. was mesmerized. I was mesmerized by that. Cause that's that awesome. stat makes, makes so much sense in the fact that, no one figured it out, and then Alex just took ramrodded that thing and made it as awesome as it is. It's that's like that's why he probably should win the uh, FSWA award because that's what it yeah like that was oh, absolutely man. ridiculous. There's so many it, good yeah nominees. It's it's crazy. It's all, yeah, yeah like I, I'm not like yeah they're all really <laughs> oh, qualified. Sure. Like but yeah, yeah. that CSW deal that that's one of those we're gonna be using for a long time. Right, which is crazy because it's not mm-hmm. that different from strike percentage, but it's such no. a good tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we should have been doing this a long time ago. It's I. You know, not everything has to be as complex as like Sierra. Yes. Um, but uh, that's a lot of what I do. Um, looking at like, I like to, um, a lot of the time is like pull out factors like uh, with fly ball, line drive, exit velo. Like I'm taking grounders and pop ups out of the equation or looking at specific pitch types. Um, uh, like with hitters and like, just looking specifically at their home runs and, and looking at like distance or exit velo. Um, you can, a lot of people don't know that you can, you can look at specific, um, basically like you can look at exit velo and only look at like 90 to a hundred miles per hour. Um, and you can also pair that with, uh, let's say, um, I don't know, like 10 to 15 degrees and just like only look at batted balls. Um, in that area. So there's just, it's so, so, so versatile. Um, I do everything with it. Like I, I, we should be all so thankful for Savant because I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just started writing like a lot this year and a lot of the stuff wasn't available when I started. So um, yeah, I, oh God, I love them. <laughs> yeah, no, they're great. They keep coming out with new toys. I really need to uh, get more involved in, in figuring it out, but it is cool what mm-hmm. you, you smart people can do with it so that I can read it <laughs> and then sound smart afterwards. Um, yeah. Those like smart I tell people, people, I'm, I'm with you, man. <laughs> yeah, that's why I always tell like people like me and Toby, we work so well together because he's like the brains of the operation. And I just kind of steer the <laughs> ship and, and give like, I give, I give the layman terms. So the, 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 the non-smart people like myself can figure it out. Yeah. But, um, it's fun. It's fun. And baseball savant, the more and more I play with it, there's a lot of cool things and your article helps pinpoint a lot of uh, the awesome things they can do there. 
uh, along with that. So everybody go check out his article over there, uh, Hitting 101, our start, Fantasy 101, Hitting Stats to, to focus on, stuff like that. It's really, really cool. But let's talk about some players. As you've been writing a lot of cool articles for teams, previewing pitching and hitters and you're a Mariners fan, so we're going to talk Mariners. But we're going to talk some players um, that you've been writing about lately and mainly because they're quite popular in the world of fantasy sports. And one polarizing name, I think I've talked to him, talked about him. I wish I talked to him. Uh, talked about him many times on this show. And I'll probably talk about him many more times before the start of the season. Chris Paddock. He's picked 53 right now in NFPC draft champions. He had an amazing year last year. There's no sugarcoating that at all. He was darn yeah. good. But there's a lot of question marks. It's like you're either on his side or you want nothing to do with him. Vlad Sedler put out a post. Would you rather have Paddock, Severino, or I totally can't remember who the third one is, going into the next season based on draft price? Who, yeah. would, who wouldn't you pick? Paddock was the guy. Uh, oh, Giolito, because it goes Giolito, Paddock, and uh, Severino are all right. Oh, next right. To each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did you get on Paddock? You wrote up the, the San Diego Padres pitching staff, and we're going to talk about a few of them. Let's start with Chris Paddock. What are you? What's your outlook for the 2020 season? So I like it's weird because I'm also um, someone who's pretty much out on Paddock, um, and part of that has to do with my draft strategy. But um, it's I wrote about him in early May, and I love like I love watching this guy pitch. But mm-hmm. it's it's really hard because he's um, he's kind of similar to Glasnow in a way. He you know he's like I guess. Glasnow is more um, fastball curveball, but he's got two pitches and they're both able to lean on them so much because of how good their fastballs are. But it's part of, part of it for me is that um, <clears throat> when I think about players, often I think about them as like complete pitchers and I don't see Paddock as a complete pitcher, but I do see him as someone with two really, really good pitches. And so while he can, like he can lean on that, but uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how they adjust to him um, because his curveball is uh, like a pretty textbook get me over pitch to me um, because of the way that he uses it. Um, he uses it, you know, like early in counts, but he never uses it when he's ahead. Um, and I really don't love the shape of it because it's it's got such a... I think it kind of telegraphs itself because it's got that like hump when it's coming out. Um, and so I would rather see him like, I would love to see, obviously this is super easy to say, but um, Shane Bieber changed the shape of his uh, curveball where it used to have that hump. And then he turned it into more of just like a spiking curveball. And I think that really helped his fastball play up and Paddock doesn't need his fastball to play up, but um I think he definitely could use a third pitch, especially because he can use it against lefties and righties. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he commands it pretty well. Um, and that's one thing is like, he does everything that you could want. He has good command. He has a good fastball. He has a swing and miss changeup uh, and a swing and miss fastball, but he doesn't have a third pitch to me. Um, so it's, it's kind of weird to analyze him because it's like he, he's not complete but he's definitely good enough. So in terms of, of drafting him, um, I'm kind of, I'm out on him. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, it's yeah. And he, like, he doesn't walk a lot of people. He has a good home run rate. I, I do see him taking kind of a step back next year, but 
like the fact that he had Tommy John and he came straight from double A and he's, he's, I think he just turned 24 a week ago um, is insane that we're even like, you know, almost that we're like talking about him like this. Um, He has so much room to, to grow. So I I would love to see that, that curveball take a step forward. I'm just not as um, optimistic as everyone else is, but um, it seems like everyone is kind of like, yeah, I'm out on Paddock at his price, but like people keep drafting him anyways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I like him a whole lot, but I'm just not going to be drafting him. What was it in the fifties? Like 50 ish. Yeah. 50 ish. 53. I believe was what it was. He's, yeah. he's just going, to, he's going too soon for me. And it is a good point you make is many of us are saying that yet he's still getting drafted. So somebody's there are some that like him like you can't fault that he's really really good his stuff was great but at the same time that lacking a third pitch we saw certain starts if his command was off he was done or if he just you know overall wasn't great he was getting smacked around a little bit towards the end of the season yeah. so it is it is a bit of a concern for me and that kind of leads into his teammate joey lacassi you know going about pick 234 right now he's another guy that we've been like dreaming for a new pitch and rumor has it he's working on one he won't tell us what yeah. it is. He literally said he will <laughs> not tell that. us what it is. But he's working on one. And I like the fact you saw him go from 130 innings to 163 innings last year. That makes me feel a lot better going to this year to get maybe a full, full season out of him. He's not been, like, great, great over four ERA both runs. But, man, if he develops that third pitch like he's talking about, what's your thoughts on the Kessie going into 2020? I, um, I'm kind of down on him. Uh, I like him because he's like, his delivery is pretty funky. His pitches are super duper weird. Um, but yeah, unless he develops that third pitch, I, I think of him, uh, what, what Nick calls, um, a Toby, uh, referring to the office. I think he's, you know, more or less, uh, slightly above average pitcher. Um, but he's just like, so unspectacular. He gets a little more, um, strikeouts in league average, but I think I like him more because he's weird than he's actually good. Like he, he throws a sinker 50% of the time and it's not a bad pitch, but it's not like he's Noah Syndergaard or something. Um, and like his command plus is like 89 or something, which is like, Nelson Lamette territory, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because it, it hasn't affected him. Um, but yeah, I, I think I saw that he's potentially um, learning a splitter, which like that sounds great, but also uh, I think more than any pitch, probably splitters are known to go in and out because it's so hard to yep. have feel for. So um, I don't know, man, throw a slider or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, throw something else in that mix of whatever. Because he is fun to watch, like you said, but it's just yeah. consistency-wise very, very tough with, with Joey L. But um, another guy, Ross Resource has started in AAA, but I thought I'd ask about him anyways. It's Cal, Cal Quantrill. He um, came up last year. He's a highly touted prospect. Came up a little earlier, I think, than people thought. He had some really good moments, some kind of shaky moments. But starting in AAA is a, a bummer. But what did you see when you looked into him that might – is there any idea of making him relevant for 2020 or are you kind of worried that he's going to keep him in triple a for a while? I I'm pretty high on Quantrill just like relative to his reputation. I feel like um, he's kind of like, he's kind of unspectacular, but I think he's got um, a pretty like 
it's hard because his sample size isn't that big, but I feel like his four seamer might be a pretty solid pitch, um, even though he goes with that sinker. So I'd like to see him go away from the sinker and and throw his four seam more. Um, he has a pretty solid slider, and the numbers on it, like I'm pretty sure it has a negative p val on the year. Um, but it like it has a 15.7 swinging strike rate, and its BAPIP is like. 381 so i think i think that has more to do with just um statistical variance rather than it being a pitch that gets hit hard a lot um and it might be even better if he if he starts pitching with his forcing more so um obviously that would be an avenue for more strikeouts is if he does go with his four seam so um yeah, he's got he's got a good slider. He's got a pretty good his changeups arguably his best pitch. So if he's got two uh, you know above average secondaries and um, a good four seam with a sinker that he can throw, obviously because he does a lot, um, I think he's a pretty underrated pitcher and someone that um, people should be keeping an eye on. I think Quan, I think Quantrill's a guy that we're gonna see. At some point in the year, because Garrett Richards, the next guy I want to talk about, he's coming back from, I believe, another Tommy John surgery. The talent, there's no doubting how good he can be. It's being healthy has been the problem. He hasn't thrown. Yeah. It's, it's just been a mess. No more than 76 innings in 2018, 27, and 17, 34, and 16. It's just been a downward spiral for Garrett Richards. Right now, he's projected to hit uh, pitch second in that Padres order. But it's really weird. They have people are drafting him at pick two ninety two. I honestly don't think he's going to throw a ton of innings this year. What's your thoughts on Garrett Richards? Because to draft him like people are, I know it's a draft champion to draft and hold format, so you don't really care too much if you get someone else along the way. But it seems like a hefty price tag for a guy that's probably not going to go too far this year. Yeah, um, and he's someone who I think if you look at his. Uh, if you just go to his baseball savant page, he's someone who looks quite insane because he's got a um, really high spin fastball. And I'm a fan of him because he's got just such an insane slider. Like he's, it's kind of lazy in a way, but like uh, to compare just everyone ever to uh, Corbin, who just has a good slider that they throw a lot, but he's really not that dissimilar um, because he, like I would like to see him throw it like f- almost forty percent of the time, which I think he did um, the year I think two thousand eighteen, um, and then threw it thirty percent of the time uh, this past year. But um, yeah, he's kind of someone who like he when you when I'm looking into him and I'm looking at like his pitch type splits, I'm like, man, like he only has a slider, but he throws it so much that in the end he's really good. So yeah, I am kind of like he's just had such a a murky um, kind of history uh, that I'm not like in love with him. But at that price, uh, I don't really know how I think of him in terms of like what pitcher he is. But that's super late. Um, so yeah, he can get a lot of strikeouts. His fastball, like I said, like the spin rate looks really good. But he throws one of the uh, lowest active spin fastballs there is, which means rather than perceived rise, it has more sink. So he really throws like a sinker. Um, mm-hmm. So instead of like, you know, having like a Paddock or Glasno or Garrett Cole fastball, he has more of like a Justice Sheffield or like Musgrove Ooh. fastball. 
Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's not the comparison you wanted to be making there. Right. So yeah, like I like him, but I'm just pretty risk averse. Um mm-hmm. I don't know, around pick three hundred, why not? Um I don't know yeah. who's going around there, but um if yeah, I find the, out I'll let you know. The innings pitched um kind of issue is is scary for me. Okay, uh two ninety two for Garrett Richards, two eighty seven Dylan Bundy. Oh man, give me that's so hard. <laughs> I I love Bundy. Give me Bundy. There's actually there's some good ones here actually. Um we'll go for ones that are going behind him. Uh I said two ninety two uh literally like a half a pick behind Garrett Richards, Dylan Cease. I'm not huge on Cease. I won't lie. Okay. Yeah. Pick two pick two ninety six, Steven Matz. I was just looking into him the other day and I like him more than I thought, but I would still take Richards and Bundy. Uh, two ninety eight, Ronaldo Lopez. He's he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's like the full tilt man right there. Like yeah. he just sucks you in over and over again. Uh, you got guys like Dakota Hudson, Michael Pineda who's missing some time. Yeah, Julio Tejeron's down here at three eighteen. <laughs> um, a couple. Okay, here's a couple that you might laugh at and might not. Uh, they're three thirty two point four four and three thirty two point six three teammates. Johnny Cueto or Jeff Samarja? Oh, man. No. no. <laughs> uh, last but not least, at 340, Kyle Gibson. I like Gibson. Uh, I just tweeted about this the other day. He has three pitches that the swinging strike rates are something like mm-hmm. 21, 17, and 14. And he throws the worst sinker ever. And he throws it, like, a lot. It yep. has accumulated like negative sixty P val over his career and he just won't stop throwing it. So um I really I really like the Rangers. Um I like what they've been doing with kind of acquiring I can't think of uh any off the top of my head besides like Drew Smiley, but acquiring arms like that and just kind of ditching them after they get some value out of them. I mean they didn't add a smiley really, but um, I kind of have the feeling that they'll make some tweaks with him. And even in his mm-hmm. current form, like he is a nice like volume pitcher, kind of like Bundy, but just without the, yeah. the, the dinger issues. Yes. Yes. And the new, the new, the new ballpark might help uh, Gibson out climate control building. You saw what they did with Lynn and Meyer. Yeah. Uh, throw him in there. Just throw the slider. Just throw the slider. 60% just, of the just, time. Just, just throw, throw the slider. The slider. <laughs> just throw the slider, please. That's all you need to do. It's just pretty simple. It. Yeah. Uh, the last Padre I want to ask you about uh, tonight is the roster resource has fifth in the rotation. He's Twitter's fantasy Twitter's darling, and he's going to pick one eleven. So he's the second starter from the Padres off the board. Denelison Lamette. This is the guy that such high hopes. We just haven't seen it consistent enough. What do you have on Denelison Lamette? He is so hard for me to. Mm-hmm analyze because i haven't taken like a super deep dive on him um but i think he's i don't know i think he's just someone where if he leaned i mean he throws his curveball an awful lot but if he leaned on his curveball and slider more um it would be really awesome i think the issue is just that um they're not huge like strike getters so he has to throw that fastball a lot and the fastball's not good um so I don't know, like, I I think I just, I tweeted the other day, I did one of those, like, here's mystery player A and here's B. And I messed up. <laughs> I, I, I swapped the, both the, 
uh, K percentage and walk percentage. So the poll wasn't accurate at all. But like when it comes to just like general stats, he isn't all that. I don't have him in front of me. I should, but I don't. Uh, he's not all that different from Chris Paddock. Um, and so it's like if I'm going to have to draft Paddock at 50 or Lamette, it's like maybe 90 or 100 or 100, 111. Yeah, um, I would pro. I would rather go Lamette. That being said, I don't know if I'd want Lamette at 111. Um, I like him. It's just, uh, yeah, that fastball's not good. The command's not good. And he doesn't throw anything else like enough. Like he throws a slider 12% of the time and it's a good pitch. Um, he can throw it in the zone too. So I don't know why he's not throwing it more. He should throw it, yep. I don't know, 20% of the time. Uh, so I see a lot of potential. Um, but I, I would much rather, uh, take a wait and see approach with him than uh than dive in yeah these Padres pitchers are very interesting like they're exciting they're fun they're young there's a lot of question marks though lots yeah. of them like Cal Quantrill is like one of the he sounded like one of the ones you kind of like the most he's you know 440-ish in drafts I think he becomes fantasy relevant at some point this year I really do I think so, so too. he might not be draftable in, in a regular league but definitely a guy to keep on your radar because he's going to come up at some point and make an impact so I'm looking like they use him yeah. with the opener and stuff at times. He, he's going to have some viability and somewhere like, along the line. Pretty much all of them have kind of question marks in terms of mm-hmm. um, durability. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's good that they have other options. I will say that um, Lamette has the lowest projected ERA out of any starter, which is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, it's just too much. Uh, He's kind of a cherry bomb in a way, yep. uh, just a good cherry bomb, um, as Nick calls it. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm kind of out on Lamette too, probably. Let's uh, let's stick with some sketchy NOS pitching, and uh, as a Giants <laughs> fan here, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this because I've heard many, and I'm surprised he's still getting picked up pick 386 because I thought the hype train was in full full effect from what I've seen of late. But Tyler Beatty, conductor. yes, there you go, because Tyler Beatty's a guy. And um, my daily fantasy show I do, people are always wondering, why are you recommending him so cheap every uh, every time he pitches? And I said, because A, he's cheap, and B, he's actually really good if he knew what he was doing on the mound. Like, his yeah. stuff is legit good, but the consistency's not there. And he has some starts towards the end of the year that were very, very solid. What is it that you saw in Tyler Beattie, and why is the hype train getting ready to get rocking and rolling? So, I was watching him all year, um, just really passively, and I was just like ah, he's all right like he throws some interesting secondary pitches but his fastball's not very good um and then Eno tweeted in i think september about how because he pitched 3.1 innings and had seven k's in his last outing and i think in his last three outings his fastball is up to 95 um and so from there i was pretty interested because Eno said that the velocity increase was from um, throwing weighted balls or footballs, uh, which are essentially weighted balls. Um, but he said that essentially shortened up his arm path. So I went and I started looking at video and I was getting super frustrated because I was like, I was looking for like a Giolito kind of change where like before his arm was extended fully, um, where there's no bend in his elbow, whereas it pretty much looked like he was throwing a football, um, uh, last year, I think, or no, this year, in the beginning of this mm-hmm. year. 
Um, and so I was looking for that and I was getting super frustrated because I was like, I'm not seeing anything. Um, and I even asked, I think I went and asked Nick and I was like, I sent him a couple stills, a couple still images. And he was like, yeah, I don't know. Like I, a shortened arm path kind of means like the Giolito thing. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I might ditch this idea. I think I'd already started <laughs> writing the article. And then I noticed that he was finishing differently. So um, <clears throat> it's not like I went and watched all of his starts, but I noticed that uh, last year he was kind of like, he was pitching and then his arm was finishing around his waist and his leg was, his right leg was finishing out in front of him. And I noticed that towards the end of the year, he started, after finishing, whipping his leg around. Um, instead of kind of facing towards like a left-handed batter, it was facing towards um, like first base. And then his arm was also, um, after like snapping down, it was snapping back up to his head. And both of these are kind of ways that um, pitchers like, uh, Mike Clevenger and um, I think Rich Hill does it. Maybe even like Kikuchi, but that's not a very good example. But uh, it's about pitching with intent, which like Pitching Ninja talks. Pitcher Ninja, Pitching Ninja talks about all the time. Um, and I think you know correlation isn't causation, but I think this might be the way that he's getting that extra velo. Um, and so from there, I you know I'm kind of just more optimistic about um his fastball so there's that there's the fact that he's pitching a lot more north south with his fastball up and his curveball down um with like some (laughs) some sliders mixed in although he only threw one slider in that last outing um whereas you know last year he was throwing kind of more in and out with a sinker and then his secondaries so more east west um he kind of changed that progressively throughout the year, but he, in his last start, he, his vertical fastball location was higher than ever. So, um, there's those couple things. And then also there's only five pitchers, um, who threw more than 200 of each pitch who have three pitches with a swinging strike rate of 15 plus or more. And those pitchers were Garrett Cole, Noah Syndergaard, Zach Gallen. Joe Musgrove and Tyler Beattie. Hmm. So that's quite the crowd. Right. Um, and I'm, I just uh, finished up a Joe Musgrove article and I really like him. Um, so yeah, it's like, Oh, it's a really, you know, when you're an elite company like this, it's, it can only mean good. Um, the only thing that I think separates him from that crowd is that he doesn't throw his pitches in the zone as much, um, which can, kind of be you know it can kind of suck because his his pitches aren't um i think you want to see like with csw an average is like 28 and a half mm-hmm. i think you want to see like there or like 30 plus um like a csw or strike percentage with pitches and i think his are in the like mid 20s and lower for his um secondary pitches so um, yeah, we're, in a way, we're kind of going off of like one start. Like that's where a lot of my optimism is coming from. But regardless of the team striking out seven hitters and and um, eleven batters face is is really impressive. And I I think there's a lot to be um, 
optimistic about if these uh, changes stick. He's going about pick 386, like I said. A couple guys going around him right before him. Would you rather have Tyler Beatty or Jordan Lyles? Oh, that's interesting. Give me uh, give me Beatty. Beatty or Zach Plesak? I'll take Beatty. Beatty or Mike Fires? <laughs> give me fun, fun name. Really? Fires? <laughs> uh, give me Beatty. Uh, Beatty or John Means? Oh, Beatty. Uh, let's see. We'll keep going up the list here. Beatty or Rick Porcello? Beatty. That's 21 pick difference. Uh, we'll keep going. Beatty or Austin Voth? Honestly, I don't, I know nothing about Austin Voth, so I'm definitely yeah. taking Beatty. <laughs> Beatty or Marco Gonzalez? Oh, man, I'm a, I'm a Marco stan, but okay. uh, give me Beatty. Wow, so we're going over 30 picks now. I love this. It's two rounds and a 15-teamer. Uh, yeah. Let's have some more fun here. Beatty or Pablo Lopez? I think B. I just like I. I don't know a ton. Like I haven't looked super into him, but I. I think it's just kind of like a. I hope he gets better thing with Pablo. So I'm gonna go Beatty again. Beatty or Chris Bassett? Ooh. Uh. Oh man, I think I would. That's like a coin flip to me. Okay, um, so we're getting we're getting closer. Yeah, I think I'll just go with Beatty. Beatty or Annabelle Sanchez? Oh, Beatty. <laughs> now here we go. Beatty or Kyle Gibson? Oh, give me. Oh boy. Okay. Oh, I think I have to say Gibson. Yeah, that's forty-six picks difference. It's three rounds. That's how far back that's, gets uh, Beatty's. That's going. crazy. Yeah, that's just kind of showing the value of what BD is at right now for those that are curious. That's why I'm surprised he hasn't gone up because there's a lot of chatter about him right now, and I'm curious to see where that keeps climbing as yeah. we get going. But a guy you mentioned in the BD talk there was Noah Sundergaard, and he is just the tilt of my my vein every draft season because I know this stuff's great. I've heard Nick talk about it all the time that if he has learned how to not pitch to contact with two strikes, it would be beautiful. Um, the guy should be super, super good, like really, really good. We yeah. just haven't seen it enough. And I know you wrote about him. He's going at pick like 70 right now. So he's still got to pay kind of a premium, but not as much as normal as a 24th pitcher off the board. Uh, what do you have on Syndergaard? Is there optimism or are we just like, you know what? This is who he is. It's kind of interesting because I'm like, I'm optimistic about him. Like, I think he could be better than he is but i'm not i'm not optimistic that he'll make the necessary changes so um from 2015 to 2017 he had a 28.4 k percentage and that has dropped to 24.5 in the past two years um which like by fip that's only a seven uh seven difference in like fip minus um so like it's kind of interesting because by fip he's basically been like a top 10 pitcher since uh 2018 and like we're still kind of expecting more out of him um but yeah i think what i wrote about is that first of all he's gone to a sinker which like i i don't know why especially because he's got a bad defense um it might have to do with feel for the pitch or something like that but um i think that's where his that's why his fastball or his um strikeout numbers have gone down is because he he doesn't have his uh that fastball and he's pitching to contact more obviously 
Um, I also pulled something from Alex Chamberman, Chamberlain's um, pitch leaderboard that shows his um, after his injury, his pitch extension went down, which is kind of interesting because um, it was already trending down before he got hurt. So I wonder how much of that was either a precursor to injury or a sign, you know, that an injury was on the horizon. He wasn't feeling right, but it really hasn't rebounded. It's It's been trending up since he got hurt, but he just hasn't been the same. Um, and with extension, because uh, that's basically um, uh, like with Tyler Glasnow, he's so big and he gets out so far that his perceived velocity is higher than it would be if you were an average pitcher. With Syndergaard, he, I don't know if it's mechanical or what it is, but he's not getting out as far. So his um, perceived velocity on his four seam has almost dropped um, by two ticks um, from his basically pre-injury to post-injury, while his actual velocity has only dropped half a tick. So I think that's one thing. Um, Another thing that Nick and I kind of discussed was if he's not getting out as far, if he's not extending as much, whether that's like short-arming it, not sitting into his delivery, whatever, his braking and off-speed pitches have kind of crept up, um, whereas he used to bury both of them. Both of them are more in the zone and they're not um he's not pitching as much uh below the strike zone which i think is kind of a money area for him and then i saw that his like the percentage of pitches that are being pitched in the heart of the plate um kind of referencing baseball savants attack zones that's risen as well so he's just like overall throwing more hittable pitches like whatever way you want to look at it. And then he's also pitching more, uh, you know, he's not an East West pitcher, but he's pitching more kind of in and out East West rather than up and down uh, North South. So I'm like optimistic about him in a way, like he's 27. He doesn't really need to be, I think he has a, a kind of perception as a thrower because he throws so hard, but like by command plus he rates really well. Um, I think it's just about consistency. So yeah, like at that price, I'm probably not taking him, but I am really excited to see what their new pitching coach does with him because the last one was, I don't want to be ageist, but he was like 73 and like old school. And the new guy's like 33 and like super analytically inclined. So um, yeah, basically right now he's just, uh, putting himself at the mercy of of Bapip, and mm-hmm. he doesn't need to do that. You're Noah Syndergaard. Yep, um, blow people away, please. Yeah, so I like I love watching him pitch, but mm-hmm. I'm not. Well, who doesn't like see, who, who doesn't like seeing those flow those flowing locks just right. go into the air? Like he's going right before guys like Woodruff and Bauer. I'd probably go Syndergaard there if I was looking to pick. Pick a pitcher. He's going right behind Glass now and Granky. Interesting. That's yeah. interesting to me. Like th- those are good debates, <laughs> but uh, it, it's just. A, he, I guess he's. What I'm trying to say is he's kind of slotting in where he probably should. Is what yeah. it looks like right now. Um, his former teammate now Philadelphia Philly Zach Wheeler. He's going about pick 119. One thing about Wheeler: 182, 195 innings, ERA 3-3 and 3-9, uh, fifth 3-4-8, 3-2-5. So he's been very very good the last couple of years, which got him paid. Not a huge strikeout guy. That's kind of a bugaboo at times. Going yeah. to Philadelphia concerns a few people. What is it you see in Zach, or what did you see looking uh, taking a deeper dive into Zach Wheeler? 
Uh, so first, like, I think the park, uh, it's it's a downgrade. Um, but in terms of like their philosophy uh, with the Phillies, like before Kapler and and whoever the other guy was, uh, was, um, were gone, they they tried to tell their pitchers like, hey, like do this, pitch up with your fastball, pitch down with your secondaries. Um, and I think there was a lot of pushback from players because the there just wasn't that like trust. I think they kind of felt like um, they were not outsiders, but that they were just like the bridge wasn't there. Um, but they brought Pr- Brian Price in, who I think very highly of as a um, pitching coach. And I think he's going to let Zach Wheeler do his thing. What I saw is um, I'd already been kind of thinking this because of the way that they pitched, but I saw, I think in an athletic article that the Phillies talked about, um, <laughs> they comped him to to Garrett Cole, which obviously is a little bananas because mm-hmm. Garrett Cole is the be- best pitcher in the league. Um, but I think it's actually, I think it makes a lot of sense because they have a pretty similar repertoire. Um, just overall, they're pretty similar pitchers. Um, so I kind of made that comp and I went and looked at like, before he was with the Astros, how did Garrett Cole pitch? How did his pitches perform? And it's kind of conflating because I don't know what the Astros did, but he gained like, I think 200 and then 400 um, RPMs on his spin rate from when he was with the Pirates to when he was with the Astros. So I don't know if he's like sticking his elbow in a vat of like Vaseline or gum or something, (laughs) but like Wheeler's obviously not going to do that. So it makes it harder to say Garrett Cole did this. So Zach Wheeler will do this because I doubt Wheeler's going to make those gains in um, spin rate, but he still has, I think we talk a lot about total spin rate and as with like Richards and uh, I don't remember who else I was talking about. We should be talking about more so active spin rate, um, which is basically how much amount of backspin does your fastball or just any pitch have. So either backspin or front spin, depending on what the pitch is. Um, and he has a good fastball. So um, they've just shown like the same exact trends. Like they both more or less, uh, in talking about like pre Astros Cole and Wheeler up to this point. In terms of their four seams, they've pitched to the vertical middle of the strike zone on average, uh, which isn't good, I don't think. And I think Wheeler sounds really open to making different changes. Um, and I think that's one one change that he'll make is that he's going to elevate his fastball. That's what Cole did. Obviously, like I said, there was the spin rate stuff that's going on, but, um, you know, like it's more so making like a poor man's coal um, kind of comp here. It's like a soft comp. Cause I think, I think he can throw, um, I think he can throw fastballs up. I think he's got, um, he's got a good slider. He's got a good curveball. He's got a good changeup and none of them will blow you away. But I think it's kind of like, man, I, I, I'll probably phrase this incorrectly. Like the, the, some of the parts is greater than the whole, you know, whatever kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you compare their fastballs uh, from Pirates Cole to uh, Wheeler up until this point, Wheeler has had a much um, better 
fastball in terms of whiffs and PVAL. And then he also added that splitter in 2018 that when he added it, he was throwing, I think, 10 to 15% of the time. And it gets about 16% uh, swinging strike rate. Uh, so he's got like, he's got basically like four secondaries that he can throw. Um, and I think I kind of like, kind of like the Corbin thing. He uses a slow, um, slider as a change up to his faster slider. I think Wheeler can kind of do that with his splitter and change up. So, um, people are like so low on him and hated on him so much for getting that contract. But I like really, really like Wheeler. Um, I see the downside, especially uh, he already had, I think, a little bit of um, home run issues. But yeah, he's not going to become Garrett Cole, but I I see a formula for this working. So I, yeah, I I think, um, I don't know. Where's he getting drafted? Um, About 119, 40th pitcher off the board. Um, He's going right before Madison Bumgarner. Like, Uh, I I would take Wheeler there. Yeah, he's going uh, right before him, Frankie Montas. That's really interesting. And Montas is the same thing, kind of. He has that uh, really nasty splitter that he added, too. Um, yeah. Hmm. You got Danellis and Lamets going seven picks before him. Yeah, like uh, I'd, take, I'd take Wheeler. Yeah, yeah. I think Wheeler's – I'm with you. Wheeler's getting a bad rap. I think a lot of people are blaming the new ballpark, and I'm like, okay, that might suck a little bit, but let's give the credit for the pitcher that he is. I think right. he's a lot better than people think. So I, I'm with you on that. I think I think he should be higher than this. Let's put it that way. Like Mike Soroka is going to pick 98. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think Wheeler should be in the Soroka range. I, don't I think know. so. Yeah. I, I think that's a fair assumption. That's 20 picks. Uh, Sonny Gray is going at 95. I like Sonny Gray, but Wheeler's not that far off to me. Like right. they're in the same ballpark. So I think yeah. I think a lot of people are factoring in that uh, the Philadelphia thing, and that's going to help a little bit come draft sure. season. Uh, a couple more here for you. Uh, this this can be a super quick hitter because I didn't put it on the outline, but I know you just came out with the Cincinnati Reds pitching preview. And uh, uh, yeah. it, it, there's a lot of fun names here. I mentioned Sonny Gray. You got Luis Castillo, Trevor Bauer, Wade Miley, Dee Scafani. That's the starting rotation. Anything you that when you dug into this, anything that kind of surprised you? Like we know Castillo's awesome. He's got to change it from the gods. We know Trevor Bauer – has really good potential, but a lot of it's between his ears. Um, Sonny Gray yeah. was awesome with his new guy. Like we know a lot of these things. What's something that you found doing research on the starting rotation that might be <laughs> like, wow, here's some fantasy goodness that we might need to run, walk away with. I've gone uh, back and forth on Bauer because I think he had a really like in terms of batted ball luck. Um, he had a really lucky 2018, and then I think he had a really unlucky. I don't remember. I I think I said lucky 2018. He had a really lucky 2018 and a really unlucky 2019. Um, he's just like, I think he's too good to have the same sort of year that he had. And I think that his, um, like his, his stuff is just way better than this. Um, people look at him and, and call him a tinkerer and kind of talk about it. Like it's a bad thing. I kind of see it more as a good thing. Um, he, he lost his slider. He, that was the pitch that helped him break out in 2018 and he was pretty fortunate with him with it. Um, but I, I think he really, like he lost it and he added way too much movement to it. Um, and in terms of like tunneling, um, I think it just had way too much movement and 
kind of ruined his other pitches. He he was a guy who um, uh, I think was really negatively impacted by the ball, the juice ball. So um, I'm a little higher on Bauer than most people, but I could see him having another 2019. Um, I do think he's more 2019 than 2018, but it's somewhere in the middle. Castillo, um, I really like him, but it's it's kind of scary that he only his changeup is his most thrown pitch, mm-hmm. um, but he throws it in the zone like 25 percent of the time. Um, the good thing is that he has a 50 percent O swing on it and a 26 percent swinging strike rate on it, which is the best mark in the league for starters. But it's still scary because it's like if he if this goes away, uh, <laughs> like we're dealing with you know, a significantly impacted pitcher. So, mm-hmm. um, like, yeah. And, and PL Mach three, I passed over him for Aaron Nola. Interesting. Um, well, yeah, real, which... quick, real, real quick. What's your thoughts on that? Just out of, cause Nola's a guy that I was in love with before, but, uh, and I kind I didn't get him anywhere last year. And I saw uh-huh. him last year. I'm kind of like second guessing things. I mean, I've seen a lot of chatter around from some people I respect that, you know, that was such an outlier a couple of years ago that he has to do X, Y, and Z so well to be that good. What yeah. is, Do you see something in Nola that you kind of want to buy back into? I think it's actually kind of the same thing with Bauer, where I feel like okay. that makes sense. He, he was so affected by the ball. Um, and I, I remember, especially earlier in the year, he just had so – like he's a command pitcher, and his command was impacted. So um, I, I think once he got his command back, he kind of balled out like from the summertime on – basically the second half. Um, I will say that like, I probably should have went with Castillo there, but it's closer than I think a lot of people would think. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have, I mean, Castillo doesn't really have a fastball either. So no, he has um, a changeup. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's he's, like, using. <laughs> he's using that over and over again. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I just really liked the volume out of uh, Nola and just the fact that he can throw multiple pitches with a good enough fastball. Um, and I was more skeptical of Castillo before, and now I'm only a little skeptical. Um, so yeah, it, it was, uh, uh, pretty interesting to sit there and, and make that decision. Um, let's talk real briefly about your Seattle Mariners. Um, I'm curious to see what you have to say on some of these guys. Their team intrigues me because... They're kind of a middle-tiered AL West team. It could be better now if things happen to the Astros. See how that goes. Um, they, they they love making deals, you know, dealing dealing Jerry up there. Yeah. It's always it's always wild. But uh, they made a couple big ones. You know, they traded Omar Narvaez, a guy I love behind the dish, even though people say his stat cast numbers aren't great. Yeah, I think he's still pretty darn. He, he takes advantage of his contact. Um, but that means Tom Murphy. He's going to be playing every day. I wrote about the over 50 catchers in the black book and Murphy was one that I really, really liked for the power upside, former Rockies prospect really wasn't great versus righties. Though. That's why it seemed like he platooned a little more, but then the more I dig in, he actually had more at bats versus righties than lefties. So it wasn't a straight platoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your outlook on him getting the everyday job there? Yeah. Um, so kind of like I was talking about earlier, Narvaez is an example of someone that you like, just don't, don't only glance at their Statcast page and then be done with mm-hmm. it. Um, Tom Murphy, I have a hard time fully buying in. Um, he had a 355 Woba and a 301 X Woba, which is like pretty dis- disparate um, and probably one of the bigger um, 
differentials in the league for hitters. Um, he kind of, you know, sustains all this through a pull heavy home run approach, um, which, you know, it can work like on the Mariners. Austin Nola did that. Uh, Tom Murphy did that. Omar Narvaez did that. Um, Kyle Seeger did that. Shed Long did it a little bit. Um, so I think it can be done. Um, what kind of scares me away is the 31% strike strikeout rate. Uh, the 13.1 swinging strike rate is not good, but it's not as bad as his K rate. Um, so that has me a little more, um, optimistic. Uh, but I think overall, like, I think there's a decent chance that we see him get a little exposed. Um, but he's going to get the chance because he's, he's a really good, um, framer and he kind of, in a way has, um, you know, he had a, uh, kind of the pedigree coming up and like people kind of thought he was going to be a good power hitter. And then he disappointed because he was in Colorado. Um, but I, I think I could, I could see him. I think it's more likely that he flames out a little bit, um, which would be fine. Like being a, I don't know, uh, 85 to 90, uh, weighted runs created plus guy. And then like framing well, like the Mariners would love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think owners would love that, but, um, I could also really see him doing kind of the Bregman thing where he just hits such a high volume of pulled fly balls that just some of them go over and some don't. Um, and Safeco's or <laughs> Timo will park, uh, isn't <laughs> that bad of a place to hit anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like there's cool changes that he made, like dramatically cutting his swing percentage, um, and then like he's tied with Yasmani Grandal and Raphael uh, Devers and barrels um, per plate appearance. So yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm skeptical, but I, I can see it working. Definitely. Another guy that was a fantasy darling back in 18, missed mm-hmm. a lot of 19. And when he was playing, he was, you could tell he was kind of playing hurt because it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Mitch Hanniger, all reports point to he'll be back and ready to roll for 2020. Mm-hmm. If he's good to go, like, what's the talk? What's the expectations for Mitch? Because you can get him eerily cheap right now. He's the 51st outfielder off the board at pick 194. I got him in the 13th round. Like, I got him around, I don't know, like, Kyle Schwarber. And, uh, yeah, like, I, he's just such an underrated player. Like, for the past couple years, in a way, it's kind of the Kyle Seeger thing. Like, he just is not the sexiest but he just does work um i really love hanniger um he's to me a huge sleeper this year that you can get way later than he should be going uh all he did well not all he did but he contused his testicle like it's not like yep. it's not like he tore something or you know um it was just a super bad luck thing Steamer has him at at like a 250, 335, uh, 447 triple slash with 25 home runs and seven stolen bases. I think across the board uh, with his triple slash, that's super low. Um, maybe the injury and, and time off affects him, but I think he's, uh, you know, he can get on base more than that. He can, um, he, his batting average should be more like 270 and he can hit for, I don't know, like a 500 slugging-ish. Um, he's someone who like can touch 30 home runs and 10 stolen bases in a really good year. So, um, it seems really low to me. Like we're, we're a year Mm -hmm. removed from a 90th percentile ex-WOBA, his barrels, like he's tied with 
Muncie and Domingo Santana, Renfro and Catel uh, Marte. Um, he just popped the ball up a ton and kind of regressed uh, against breaking pitches. But yeah, I think he might've been hurt. So yep. uh, get, get your Mitch Hanniger shares or you will regret it. Yeah. Really, really cheap. I'm surprised he's still that cheap. Uh, Evan, Evan White, you didn't get higher than double A last year. Yet the Mariners gave him the extension, which most likely means he's a starting first baseman. And he's mm-hmm. going about pick 354 right now. Um, we, we know the guy can hit in the minors, but the minors, the pros, obviously uh, different things. Um, what's your kind of thoughts on him? Steamer, 19 homers, 253 average, not bad for pick 354. But what are you thinking with him? I think uh, with him, I would be kind of expecting what Steamer sees and just hoping for upside. Um He's really interesting because he was kind of a disappointment uh, for, I don't know, the first year or two. And then in 2018, at some point, he made some lower half adjustments and the power just came like crazy. Um, He just had has had an insane um, past like year and a half. Um, And I think he missed a little time, but um, I really love his skills. The Mariners obviously love him. I've heard some Paul Goldschmidt comps, which I don't think that, is ridiculous. But that it's doesn't like, stink. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm like, I'm not expecting him to to come out hot straight out of the gates because a big thing that the Mariners are doing this year is just kind of letting the kids play um, and just letting them work through their stuff. So I expect him to, if he doesn't um, win a starting job, which I think he will because who's going to take it? Dan Vogelback. Uh, <laughs> I think he'll be up within uh, a couple months and at the worst, like halfway through the season. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm like a lot higher on him than I had been in the past. I think he's a really interesting player and the defense is going to keep him on the field. Definitely. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, you said you're a Marco Gonzalez stand. Talk to me about what you liked about Marco Gonzalez. Yeah, so 2018, he had a pretty interesting year, and that was my first article at Pitcher List where I was like, hey guys, uh, his velocity tapered throughout the entire year, and once he met his previous innings pitch threshold, he kind of just dropped off, dropped off a cliff, so like... I think he had nearly like a six ERA in his past like 40 innings, which is not ideal. Um, and I was kind of just like, yeah, I know this isn't fair, but if we take that out of, you know, his year and we contextualize like when he does have his fastball velo, what does he look like? Um, he had numbers that kind of resembled like uh, mostly Zach Greinke, um in 2018 but kind of James Paxton-ish with less strikeouts. Um, and I think the reason why I comped him to them was they had similar... Granky, he's just... They're kind of similar pitchers. Um, but between those two, he just had like a similar FIP in Sierra or XFIP. Um, yeah, he is someone who is kind of just someone that... Um, I guess kind of like Wade Miley... Uh, just has a lot of pitches that he can throw. But when he has his fastball velo, I think he's so solid. Um, He actually could probably throw his four seam up in the zone and kind of uh, use that to, it'd probably help out his curveball. Cause right now his curveball is sort of a get me over pitch. Like it's something that he throws in the zone a lot. Whereas like, I don't think that's super ideal. Um, he really overperformed his peripherals, which I think is somewhat sustainable. 
Um, but he looked kind of bad in 2019. So like, he's mm-hmm. a guy that I just love watching pitch and I think he's super in tune and, and cerebral. And I think he has a lot of potential. Um, but at this point I has Velo just isn't coming back. So unless he does like a gas camp, I'm just mm-hmm. assuming that he's throwing 89 and a gas camp. You know, I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pick five forty. Ultra tilting because it was not a good debut season, but he still made 32 starts. UC Kikuchi, what are we thinking here? Because he's basically free in drafts, but there's a reason he's kind of free in drafts. Yeah. Do we expect any improvements this year? I definitely expect improvements. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of things to kind of um, contextualize the season. One thing is... Um, he really, really, really got squeezed. Like he's in the like zeroth to fifth percentile in like pitches in the zone that were called strikes, um, depending on his pitch. So I don't know if that's like a, um, like the umpires being bad or, um, the shape of his pitches are pretty weird. Like he has a really loopy curveball, um, but. There's like that, like I think that should improve, especially now that Nervais is gone, which could be a factor is that Nervais is not a good framer and Tom Murphy is. Um, so there's that. He was like super, super excited to talk to um, Trevor Bauer. And there's a video about them um, kind of talking pitch design. And that's something that I've seen that Kikuchi was really excited about uh, during his time in Japan is like doing different stuff with pitch design. Um, he's still looking for his changeup, which, uh, looked pretty solid this year, but it's still developing and it's a pitch that he needs. Um, but there's also like, he came from Japan to the U S with the juice ball and the seam difference is probably, um, you know, I'm kind of speculating, but I think they had, um, an effect on him and he's already a guy that, um, I think when people think of, uh, Japanese pitchers, they think, pretty good command but his is like a touch below average like maybe like 95 command plus if i remember correctly um so like he needs he needs he doesn't have a fastball so like a bad fastball um and like below average command like he needs his fat as secondaries to be uh swing and miss pitches um it's kind of the same thing as with i forgot who i was talking about that had a hump paddock um he kind of uses his curveball as like a get me over pitch too and i just think it could be better so there's a lot of things that i see could go right that haven't gone right and so he is someone that like in my dynasty like i released him but um you know if you're hurting uh you should take a chance on him because he can be good quick answer is justice sheffield worth the pick this year no, bad fastball, really, really good slider, bad command. <laughs> All right, this guy is um, – I'm starting to see him pop up on sleeper lists and whatnot, and he's going about five picks after Kikuchi. Justin Dunn came over in that Jared Kalinick deal. What are we thinking? He's projected to be your fifth starter this year. Um, I, I'm way higher on him than Justice Sheffield, which mm-hmm. I think Baseball America just said the opposite of that. They like Sheffield more. Um, they're both kind of guys that could profile to go to the pen, but I'm more, um, I'm higher on Dunn because he he was a a reliever until I think his junior year in college or senior year, 
So he hasn't been starting that long. Um, his commands like average ish, which is good. I mean, it wasn't, I think it, I think I looked at his command plus and it was like 89, um, a hundred being average, by the way, I should have said that a long time ago. Um, but yeah, he's someone that like, uh, he's kind of the Sheffield package, but he has a better fastball. Um, he has a good slider and I think his changeup should be better. So like across the board, um, I like him and like you could see in his um, first couple outings, he was just like so shaken up because he's a kid and he was debuting. I mean, I'm he's probably older than me, but he's young and he's debuting in the major league. So um, yeah, worst case scenario, he ends up in the pen, but uh, I think there's going to be some hiccups, but I really like him. Yeah, he seems pretty productive, but I'm, I'm curious. I saw his name pop up a lot recently. Uh, before we head on out of here, a couple listener questions to get to real quick. Oh, yeah. Good friend of the show at Yancey Eaton. The draft nothing but pitchers for the first seven rounds craze is taking the industry by storm, which you've probably seen on Twitter of late. Mm-hmm. Are those doing it visionaries or are they donating their buy-ins? What do you think? I don't think it's necessarily either. Um, I saw like I think Toby took Garrett Cole one one, um, maybe like a month oh, he's ago. Gonna, he'll do that. He's, he'll do that anytime he can. Yes. Which I don't know. I thought more about it. And I, I don't know, I still am not in love with it, but I see it more than I did um, just because Cole's such a talent. But I don't know, in the first couple rounds, like that's when you can get guys with really good uh, like power speed blends where they can you know hit 30 dingers and 15, 20 stolen bases. Uh, and that's really hard to get elsewhere. Um, I guess you could say the same thing about pitching, but I'm, I didn't draft a pitcher until the fourth round and that might be earlier than I would normally do it um kind of the nick pollock method but he's super extreme um so yeah i think it's uh more of a bad idea than a good idea yeah i'm with you i'm more in favor of waiting like nick does or you did mm-hmm. than going all in early it's like you want to get a couple early like i talk to toby all the time about it he likes two pitchers right out the gate like i'm i'm not opposed to it it's just not my strategy right. more often than not Mm-hmm. But um, if I'd rather wait on pitching than go aggressive on pitching. If I had right. to pick between the two. 100%. Um, the other listener question we got is from Jonathan Reimer. Uh, 12 team, three outfield, two utility, three keepers. He has, he has, he's keeping Acuna in story. Now he's debating between Austin Meadows and I'm assuming Luis Castillo. I see lots of values in hitters later in drafts. In a vacuum, I prefer Meadows, but I'm leaning Castillo because of hitter values. Is this crazy? Basically, in this 12-team, three-outfield, two-utility keeper league, would you rather keep Austin Meadows or Luis Castillo? I think it, it is pretty close, but I would definitely um, – I guess it depends on your first couple rounds too, but I would take Meadows. Um, uh, like I said, with Castillo, there's the, like – he only throws his changeup in the zone uh, so much. Um, but Meadows is part of a pretty um, unique kind of group where – he hit 39 home runs and 12, he had 12 stolen bases. The only hitters to go 35 plus and 10 plus are Bellinger, Trout, Yelich, Acuna, Story, Harper, Soto, um, Semien, Cattell Marte, and Lindor. So mm-hmm. uh, he's just such a unique player. I know there's durability issues, but there's also, is he going to, th- you know, walk 12 guys per, uh, or percent? Uh, with mm-hmm. Castillo. So um, I think there's a rationale for either, but um, you know, Meadows really backed up uh, his 
um, his results with his peripherals. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I go medals. I love Castillo. I'm a big Castillo fan, but there is a lot of volatility in there, like you're talking about. So mm-hmm. give me uh, give me Austin Meadows. He's still super young in your keeper league. You got him, Acuna, and Story. Your offense is off to a booming start in all five yeah. categories. Like you're covering all the bases right there. So uh, I think I think you go there, and then you can do the Nick Pollock and Michael method and get some of the, the mid-tier pitchers later on and take advantage mm-hmm. of that. That's where I'd be looking. Well, Michael, this will wrap us up for episode 236. Absolute blast getting to talk to you before we sign off. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you and what you got going on over at Pitcher List. Yeah, um, so I'm over at Pitcher List, um, so you can find me at Pitcher List. I've been doing a lot of um, starting pitcher profiles with Nick, um, kind of tag teaming them with him. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at MikeyAjetto. P-L, that's M-I-K-E-Y-A-J-E-T-O-P-L. I know it's hard to uh, <laughs> spell and pronounce. Um, but yeah, I've uh, just been doing a lot of like BD, Musgrove, um, Tyler Rogers articles. Uh, that's coming out. Nice. Um, so yeah, just I, I really, really love analyzing pitching. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what I've been doing a lot of lately. Um, but you're going to be seeing a ton of content uh, from me until the season starts. Yeah, I love it. Every time I, I, I check in on Pitcher, well, I, I follow them on Twitter, so I see all those that come out. But I'll go onto the website every few days, and it seems like you got something new coming out every couple of days, three days or so. Uh, so it's, it's really awesome, the work you're doing over there. It's been good getting to chat with you tonight, and uh, we'll definitely mm-hmm. do this again sometime. Oh, for sure. Thanks for having me on, man. Thank you, everybody. Go check him out on Twitter, like you said, at MikeyAgenoPL. Uh, again, he spelled it out for you. I won't. But uh, it's it's over there. But uh, thanks for joining us tonight. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 236. We'll catch you guys next week. 